They say, they say we should have known better than to fall so deep down, deep down into this rabbit hole Get we found. ready. It's time again to venture down the rabbit hole into the world of cybersecurity. You're plugged into the podcast for security leaders and practitioners with a business sense. Prepare for unique interviews, insights, and practical advice that makes your job just a bit easier. And now, please welcome your guides on this adventure, James Jardine and the White Rabbit, Rafalos. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. And as it is now, good evening. Welcome down the security rabbit hole to yet another edition of the Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. I am Raf, and I have my friend Will over uh, that way, there. <laughs> hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. All right. it's It's been fun. Um, listen, um, you know, we, we caught up, as we often do, uh, now that we live on opposite sides of the, uh, the country, or at least far enough, uh, that we don't get to see each other very much anymore, but uh, at Black yeah. Cat, uh, last week's show for those that are listening in consecutive order was all about my predictions for black hat. Uh, one of them, uh, my main one was that everybody's going to put AI on everything was partially incorrect. I have a theory on that. Uh, so listen, I- I'll start with this. Um, this episode <clears throat> is brought to you by bourbon because, uh, no podcast or no good conversations ever started off with. So I was eating a salad and, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm gonna take a sip. I'm gonna see what you think. What did you think about this this year's show, Will? Um, you know, it's funny because it it had been I, I think about five years since I'd been to Black Hat. Um, I think 2018 was the last time I went. Hmm. So uh, I went in kind of with a very open mind, right? Because uh, naturally, the pandemic happened. I'd been uh, to the very last pandemic era RSA. And then I went to the one, you know, after that, after that was declared more or less over, but black hat had remained a bit of a, uh, a gaping hole in my conference attendance. And, uh, so I didn't really have, uh, any preconceived notions, although I did think there'd be a lot of conversation around uh, artificial intelligence and there wasn't as much as I thought, like we talked about, but, uh, I was pretty surprised to see the turnout. Honestly. Um, I was uh, pretty pretty impressed by that, uh, you know, and I was I was I was told there were somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of thirty five thousand people in attendance, forty thousand people. So, uh, good lord, pretty good pretty good numbers if those numbers are accurate. <clears throat> that's a that's that's a that is a uh, that's a couple of busloads. Holy cow! You know, yeah. I, so I, I've been going, but I, my experience has changed over the last uh, almost twenty years. In that I started going, it was like a privilege, right? I bet, you know, save up uh, all my, uh, all my favors Mm -hmm. all year, hoping that my training dollars would be able to, you know, my individual training dollars would be able to allow me to go and walk the hollowed halls and collect swag at the booths. And, and then I uh, left the corporate arena and went into the vendor side of things. Uh, And then I was like, oh, I can still go see some of those talks, but I know some of those people and, oh man, I got to work the booth. And probably over the last seven, eight years, now it's like I go there because I have meetings with uh, people and uh, I, I, I see where the talks are, but don't ever really get to go that way. 
And I spend a lot of my time in hallway con uh, and in in rooms with no windows. Uh, Yeah. And so my experience has changed. Not even don't even want me to stand at the booth anymore. They're just like, all right, here's where you're going to be from 8 a.m. to 745 p.m. And then you're going to host help host this party afterwards. And like, okay, is there is there a bathroom break in there somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. My experience has changed. I mean, I, this year seemed like a huge, um, like a huge uh, presence of people. Um, yeah. The you know what's different this year though that I saw the booths weren't as uh, what's the word I'm looking for crazy uh, over the top outlandish. Right? You know, there wasn't like these massively overbuilt booths, right? Yeah. Yeah, it changed. Uh, that was noticeable, right? You know. I think over the I mean, even before I think the pandemic, you know, kind of came on the scene and changed changed everything for more than a little while. I think the trend had been to, um, in particular in Las Vegas, a lot of the booths had been uh, to kind of take a, a more of a minimalist approach after about twenty fourteen or fifteen. Um, probably for a lot of reasons, I started noticing it, you know, kind of mid 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 second decade. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say it's it was a lot cleaner designs, a lot less uh, sensationalistic and bombastic. I didn't really see anything that was even remotely, uh, I would say, controversial, like in the traditional sense of the way in which Black Hat booths used to be in comparison yeah. to some of their analogs, like the RSA booths. So yeah, yeah. it was quite different, you know. I, I I found it interesting, and I always find it interesting, like where the big kids are and the major competitors. <laughs> And I made some notes, right? And I found it super interesting that the the companies that I expected to see, there's a couple that I expected to see that I didn't really like. Where was RSA? Like they, they usually have a massive booth. Yeah. Uh, there was. There's yeah. usually an HP. My old my, my old HP was a mass. Usually a massive booth. There, yeah. Everything was kind of scaled down a little bit. To, I guess what would like to fit the actual business, right? Like if yeah. you know. Uh, you had two products and and you know a, a square mile of uh, booth space. Like those days are gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I found it super. I found it super interesting. And this is this is my my uh, the thing I, I stopped and stared for a while. Like the the two mortal enemies, the, the number one and number two in the at EDR market, CrowdStrike and uh, S One. Yeah, uh, were right next to each other, and they were, I think they were trying to like out booth each other for a minute. Uh, yeah, but they. But you know, you know what blew my mind? Like out of all that. The fact that they were both inundated with people every time I looked. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they're they're interesting, right? Because uh, they're both supporting like F one cars, right? They're both kind of into yeah. that, and um, they're clearly clearly deep and deep and uh, wide in the EDR space and the next generation AV space, and uh, ostensibly like in the XDR universe, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're pretty they're they're pretty they're pretty competitive, um, and yeah, you know it's what's interesting I think about them is that they both really do produce really high caliber products, right? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of truth in advertising with both of those firms. So, uh, yeah, they definitely seem to have their loyalists, right? And, uh, it seems as though you've got the big three in that space, right? You've got those two and then you've got Microsoft by, by, by way yeah. of default in terms of licensing, you know, they do good technology, but I think it's kind of like, that's the triumvirate these days. <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, I, I'll, 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 uh, I'll say this. Uh, in, in the last episode, I predicted AI would be everywhere and everything yeah. would be AI washed. Um, it really wasn't as bad as I thought. And here's my theory. I think mm. most of the booths were recycles from RSA. Uh, or, <laughs> what? Or, I'm or, shocked. 
right? <laughs> uh, as budgets were probably tighter this year, so yeah, you couldn't you yeah. know, kind of redo the thing. Or and or um, there the the AI thing really started to get kind of crazy uh, after people had already had their booths designed. That's my theory. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right, and there may be even room for a little bit of um, lack of definition or concrete definition and understanding of what generative AI means to a lot of these vendors. Um, yeah, you know, it reminded me if in terms of like the way the hype cycles have been working over the last decade, decade and a half, I, I probably haven't seen anything quite as readily glommed onto by marketers um, since APT was brought out of the, <laughs> out, of the out of the dot gov universe, right. And dot military universe, right. Um, AI, I think, because <clears throat> again, it's not a new thing, right. It's just generative, but I, I don't think I've, I've noticed anything being gravitated toward, um, and absorbed into kind of like a me too story for, Oh, we do that too. And it's like, well, do you really? Um, but I was surprised yeah. to see, uh, to your point, I was expecting to see much more, uh, Hey, you know, generative AI, you know, and, and we've got the answer to your, to the solutions that are, you know, that you're going to be facing kind of messaging. I think the reality is, is that a lot of organizations, um, had been, uh, I wouldn't say unprepared, but ill-prepared and perhaps maybe not, not, you know, reading the tea leaves, you know, five, seven, ten years ago with regards to investment in applied data science. Um, whereas <laughs> some had, had been, had been really doing that for quite a long time. Right. And, uh, you know, when the wave hit, right, after the OpenAI released uh, their chat GPT and right after, you know, uh, BARD was released by Google and, and Microsoft started doing their thing, I think that uh, it was a lot of, it was a lot of all hands on deck kind of scrambling activity. And you could know, you could see it, right? You could see it in the industry. You can kind of see, you know, organizations that were rapidly trying to, you know, cobble together a story, any story as it related to their products, irrespective of how good or, or, or not good their products were as it related to an AI analog or the incorporation of an AI third-party model suite to do something net new. Um, and I think some were, were <laughs> a little more elegant than others. <laughs> yeah, look, there was, there was no shortage of uh, AI-ifying uh, yeah. things. I That's saw a good word, one, AI-ifying. I like that. AI if I I don't I, I think I'm, I don't know somebody's gonna hate me for that but good I, I found AI if I find this uh, but, but I, I, without naming the vendors because because yeah. you know I'm not into that thing but I saw some really uh just blatant pandering to the AI to like AI everything yeah one of them uh was a security company that said had the cyber AI loop. Uh, like, like, the Uba, like the OODA what? loop? I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've got a picture of it and I'm sitting staring at it and I'm like, oh, so uh, kind of like OODA, but slightly renamed and uh, with the word <laughs> AI in it. Cool. Uh, <laughs> somebody got a thesaurus for, for, for Christmas. And, and the, the other one that was, I stood by this one for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. And I... I I really want to tell you who they are, but you guys will figure this out. Defend at the speed of AI. Uh, yeah, I have a question. Uh, does does AI go faster than algorithms or ML uh, or I don't know, like anything? What's what is the speed of AI? Tell me what makes it fast. Like, is AI a speed thing? Because I didn't think it was a speed thing. I mean, 
I mean, I mean, you can fine tune algorithms, right, for modeling. But at the end of the day, unless you're referring to the GPUs and things of that nature that power a lot of that technology, I don't yeah. know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was gonna say I, I, I'm trying to understand, like, the, at the speed of AI, I, yeah. as a pra- as a practical man, I go. So, what does that mean? I, I wonder if they're kind of trying to, you know, imply that it's not quite the speed of thought, which I know a lot of like futurists talk about, you know, um, in, in particular with like, um, you know, meta human type of human, you know, human advancements and all that kind of weird stuff. Oh man. I see <laughs> but I, yeah. You know, so maybe they're thinking like, Oh, it's not quite that fast, but it's, it's certainly faster than your, you know, your mom's traditional computational models. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or maybe that's, that's, that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It seems like a strange, you know, turn of phrase, you know, uh, but again, right. You know, it's, it's very indicative of, you know, trying to, trying to come up with something kind of novel and uh, maybe a bit piffy and, you know, something that is trying to evoke a response, but doesn't really tell you the, you or the buyer a lot. Right. What does that mean to be, you know, fat, you know, faster than the speed of AI, you know, if you're talking about adversarial AI against, you know, defense, defense oriented AI, and the models are comparable and the hardware is comparable. What does that really mean? Right. Um, yeah. These are the kind of questions I ponder when people say silly things to me. <laughs> and, and, and I get it. Some of it to marketing's uh, to marketing's point, the whole, sure. some of it, the whole point of it is to get you to come over and say, what the hell does that mean? Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I listened. I, I asked questions and I stood there about 10 minutes. They went through about four different people with explanations. None of them told me uh, why AI was faster or what exactly well, that speed limit was on AI. What was the context? I'm just curious. Were they talking about it in respect to defensive use cases like yes. you know, outlier and, anomaly detection kind of stuff? Yeah, or? think about – this was this – was, this could have been a, like if, if you took AI out of this, it's an ad mm-hmm. for a sword platform. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And – this kind of leads me into the into the, my my next thought here is, is sure. that uh, there was a lot of you know with with this colorful language mm-hmm. on some of these things right um, one of my and by the way I am so guilty of this in the past and now I'm hyper conscious of it because I had a, a boss for a while that was that had many many different <clears throat> uh, degrees and one of them was in like psychology I think or or like marketing something anyway. I, I kept using like, oh, this is bigger or it's faster or it's better. And every time you go, then what? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's bigger. What does is, what is bigger mean? What is faster? So there was these bo- – there's like seven booths that I took pictures of where it said like, mm-hmm. do security faster. Like, and I wanted to walk up and go, faster than what? And, and is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, yeah. I don't – what does that mean? Yeah. I think I think it's like a uh, it's like relativism, and probably the fellow that you're referring to was talking about you know the relativity of things, right? Like faster yes. than what, bigger than what, right? I think yeah. um, from a, I think market marketing people, um, many of whom are are really well intentioned folks, oftentimes gravitate toward this type of messaging without thinking about the fact that at the end of the day, cybersecurity defense work is really less of a of a competitive race as opposed to being a long distance race, right? It's, you're not really yeah. competing against the, the, the organization neck to your right or your left, you know, even if they're in your, your industry vertical, right? It's a, it's a very individualistic organizational thing, right? The programmatic sides, right? The, the, 
the pragmatic approaches to the application of technology, right? You know, the execution. So I think sometimes they use these terms thinking that like, you know, that's going to give you a competitive edge. And maybe if you have the competitive edge, you won't get, you won't get compromised and, you know, breached, but the other guy might, who may be in your same industry vertical, but that's, that's not, not necessarily the case, right? <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we might get in trouble for this podcast. <laughs> uh, if, this, if this is the one that I get in trouble for, then I've then nobody's been listening for a long time. But it is, it is um, funny though, when they, when they use that kind of language, right? Um, it is. Yeah. Kind of a, it's uh, listen, kind of like an attempt I, to be poetic with weird technology messaging. <laughs> yeah, and I think I was looking for a theme for a while, right? And and uh, yeah. the the first note I scribbled was bigger, better, faster, yeah. and I went, "That's been a theme for twenty years." <laughs> yeah, and not even um, not even exclusive to our industry, right? I mean, the automobile right. industry used to say that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> Everybody says that. Yeah, but it. But I, I think as I as I walked around, listened to some of these pitches, um, listened to what what they were saying versus what they were showing me versus what they were trying to convey, uh, and I'll test this against you. See if you think I'm anywhere. I'm in the white ballpark. I think there was there's this sense that largely we are uh, past uh, now. Let me just say. I, I think that we have been past this point for like 10 years. But regardless, I think there's a general acceptance of the fact that we are past the point where uh, the analyst in the sock uh, can do the job of detecting malicious things, bad people, bad things, uh, without a significant technology uh multiple force multiplier right yeah. so and, and we tried that once with soar but soar over rotated on magic uh and then just got crushed and it just became automation um yeah but what i saw this past week was you know what you are screwed without us you can't possibly analyze this many lines of code this many log files uh, this many packets of traffic, uh, this many disparate sources, this many, this many, that many, and more of them, more of those many. And I think that's an important realization. And, and I want your, I want your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think, I think there's certainly been a propensity, you know, over the last decade or so, maybe longer than decade, maybe going back about 13 years ish. 14 years ish um, to lean more, more that seen the industry lean more uh, readily into kind of that FUD driven marketing messaging. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's in entirely intentional. I think some of it is, is the result of conclusion as, or, as it relates to an echo chamber that, that is oftentimes found in organizations, large and small. We've got, we figured out, we have the, be the better mousetrap. We've solved the problem. Nobody else has. If you don't come with us, you're going to, you're going to suffer. Right. Um, Several years back, right there, I think there was more uh, going back to about 2008, 2009, 2010. There was more of a propensity, I think, for people in the industry to kind of call out when they would see FUD. And in fact, there used to be a website. I don't know if you remember the old website, FUDSEC.com. Yes. Yeah. So that was a, there was a lot of, there were a lot of professionals from around the world, you know, kind of taking part in that on a, on a fairly regular basis. 
having a lot of uh, interesting conversation dialogues, right? Writing, you know, long and short-term pieces about that very idea. I think somewhere along the way, <clears throat> you know, the me- the messaging machines, right, that are t- that are tied and ultimately fuel sales motions, right? Started to capitalize a little bit more off of that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, even innocently, right? Kind of the way in which um, actuarial entities will do that with regards to things like term life insurance, right? Hey, yeah. you know, your family's important to you, right? And of course, your family's <laughs> important to you, right? <laughs> you, know, to, you know, who would say it's not, right? So I, I, I think I think you're right. There's been uh, more of a shift in the in a lot of the messaging, and it's it certainly I think began at least a decade, decade and a half, maybe not quite a decade and a half ago. But it's become more and more pronounced over the last five to seven years, maybe eight years. Um, the irony of that is, is that you see a lot of people leveraging it and embracing and articulating that very message. So who do you believe? <laughs> right? So it boils down fundamentally, the rubber's got to meet the road somewhere. If everybody's yeah. saying the same thing, you have to go back to what you know as a, de- as a defender and you have to start really, you know, inspecting what you expect out of vendors, right? And, and out of POC, type of engagements and really scrutinizing things heavily, right? Because you're right, a lot of people are have homogenized and synthesized, uh, you know, a very similar message. And uh, it's different. I think it's difficult to distinguish, right? Who's, who's telling you the truth at any given point in time. I don't mean to indict anyone in the industry, but I think when everything starts to begin to sound the same, when everyone's saying the same thing, right? Real meaning is lost, right? And then it, it ultimately creates much more of a burden for the, the buyer. And as well as for the, you know, the, the folks producing technology that really does perform as advertised. There's a gray area I, there, right? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's always, it's always the fault of the implementation. Uh, you, uh, yeah. <laughs> implementation. Yeah. Those guys get beat up a lot. It's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Yeah. Um, but you know, you, you bring up, uh, you bring up uh, some really good points in that, like the, the, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt thing was a big seller. Um, I don't know. There, there's still some of that. Yeah. Uh, you see it from time to time. You still see it. You don't see as much of it, though. I, I, I think um, I, I think the notion that we're trying to, you know, that we're, we're, we're trying to live with now is that, you know, tech is so complicated so difficult. You just, you know, if you just get one more tool, it'll, it'll just, that'll be it. You'll, you'll be good. And, and I, I, uh, I, I expected to see, uh, some more messaging around, uh, AI and, and replacing, or, you know, like this is the the magical solution. I didn't see that much of it, which makes me like actually gives me hope for, for, uh, we'll say truth in advertising maybe, but maybe just, you know, the other thing that I think you said that just that hits home and the more I think about it is how the hell do you tell any of these things apart? Yeah. Um, when you take away the the booth's ability to be sensational, to attract people, right? Once you've, okay, once, wow, look at all these pretty colors and flashing lights. All right, here I am. Now what? And, and all you hear is we're the next gen cyber AI, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're like, Oh, but I heard that at that booth and that booth over yeah. there. What, what do you mean? You're totally different things. You, you literally said to say, we're running out of, <laughs> out of ways to sensationalize uh, and overhype what it is that we do. And I, and I fear that that is a bigger problem that we're making. It's not just like, a, Oh, the buyers, because I gotta be honest, every buyer is ab like, 
I'm sick of it. I'm not even a buyer. Everybody's sick of the marketing that's just overhyped, sure. uh, off the rails, right? Far yeah. outside the, the reality. But it's worse because you can't tell where these vendors are. You can't tell anything apart. And I wish I would have had time to do this this year. This is a couple of years ago where you know, I took a couple of vendors – took all their coloring and, and scheme and just took like random blurbs off their uh, uh, boots and brought mm-hmm. back to them. So, okay, which one of these is yours without looking? Like nobody could identify it because none of it meant anything, right? What? You mean the soft palettes are, no, are you know, in color color hues are not, not uh, distinguishable? Dude, defend <laughs> at the speed of AI. What vendor yeah. is that? I don't, like, what? Yeah. I don't know, right? Uh, yeah. uh, you know, sec- secure, was it security? Uh, what was it? That was a good one. I, I, I just forgot it now. I had it like teed up my head and I just blanked. It's like security without compromise. I was like, huh? You mean, are you, is that implying that other security compromises? Like, I don't, is that a play on words? I don't get it. Um, yeah. well, I, 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 think, I, I, I think people appreciate truth, right? And they, they, they appreciate transparency as opposed to opaqueness. Um, and that, and, and that's just, that's just human beings, right? You know, I think if, you know, at the end of the day, I think what a lot of vendors and maybe a lot of sellers lose sight of, <clears throat> and it's really uh, an Achilles heel, you know, to an organization if they do, is that you're you're fostering and you're you're building up relationships with people. You're not just selling to, you know, um, you're not just selling to the purchasing office, right? You're you're not just selling to um, the office of the CX, right? O. Yeah. Um, you're not just selling to procurement, right? You know, you're selling to the, to, to John or to or to Sally or to, or to Roger or whoever it is, right? Yeah. You're building up that rapport and people gravitate toward people that they trust. And that takes time to build up that trust, right? You know, um, it's very foundational to who we are as, as a species, right? And by no way is, is the cybersecurity industry, ex- you know, sitting outside that, you know, we're not exclusion, exclusionary, right? <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not being excluded from that. So yeah. I think, you know, the messaging at the end of the day, someone has to defend that messaging when it, when it does not, when the value that is that is portrayed in the messaging does not come to bear in the, in the solution offering, and uh, you know you want to be on the side of the house where more often than not you don't have to defend that type you don't and, and, and apologize for a shortcoming due to the due to, or a mis a miscommunication of something that's that's being promoted via marketing vehicles right you want to be able to stand up and and you know let your SBS and your nobody know and I think um, and if you do happen to find yourself in a vending scenario where you where you do have to defend something like that you know, in mea culpa. You need to be earnest about making amends, right, and, and being accountable for that. And I think sometimes <clears throat> there's a propensity uh, in our space for people to kind of talk a little bit beyond beyond their their skis and capability, right? It's like making lofty assertions, like you're describing, right, or you know, yeah. start talking about things that are just really not not really plausible, like defending against the undefendable, right, or what, whatever. I forget the one you. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to save that for last, but you dropped it. And, and speaking of speaking of just like unconscionably, I don't, I don't know if this is blatant, uh, mm. trying to be controversial or just stupid. Uh, I, I don't mm. know, honestly, but I, I stopped in and the booth is Q-W-I-E-T, quiet, because apparently uh, not spelling properly is a, is a virtue. But the booth said preventing the un- – I've got a picture. Preventing the unpreventable. Like what the hell kind of utter nonsense are you spewing and how much like 
have you been smoking? Like what has rotted your brain that you decided to put that on a booth? I'm sure that'll get me in trouble with somebody, but I don't care. Like defend that. I want you to tell me what preventing the unpreventable. That's like the unstoppable force versus the immovable object, which one will win. I know tune into, you know, Friday at 10. (laughs) Don't forget to pay your five 99 entry fee for the answer. What? No, get out of here. Yeah. Even the people at the booth were like, yeah, I know. It's kind of, oh, yeah, but it's really cool tech. I'm like, dude, you lost me when I saw the banner. I wonder what they do. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think those kind of statements are difficult, right? You know, um, it's kind of like, you know, from the old cartoon from the 80s, the Thundercats, sight beyond sight, right? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, you're, like, right? <laughs> you're like, what? I have Thundera. Right. Yeah. Like, what does that really mean? Um you know, I, I, I think, I, I, yeah, I think sometimes marketing folks, you know, find those kinds of turns of phrase to be novel and pithy, right? And assume that other people will find that to be the case. And maybe even some, oftentimes, right, executives have to sign off on these things, right? So it's executives find those things to be novel and pithy too. But you know, just because something resonates inside your 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 own ecosystem, your own your own echo chamber for organizationally speaking, doesn't mean it's going to resonate, you know, broadly speaking, outbound. So you have, you have, you know you have to be thoughtful about what you say and how you say it, right? You know, um, there have been other examples over the years, right, that I think have been comparably problematic. Um, oh yeah, you know there was, you know, I, I've seen things that it kind of you know imply, you know, I'll use an example of my own co- my own company that we don't use the slogan any longer, but it came into being uh, after my first tenure with the business, and then they used it a few years ago and they got away from it. It was. See everything, fear nothing. Well, you should you should absolutely strive to see as much as possible from an instrumentation and a visibility perspective. But by no means should you not be afraid when you're when you no longer fear things. You start making very in many cases cataclysmic mistakes, or at least open yourself up to the possibility yeah. of that. So you, help, fear is a Pride healthy cometh thing. before the fall. <laughs> right? Like fear is a healthy thing, and you should be yeah. thoughtful about that and have bounds and dimensions for. It, but you shouldn't you know abandon the importance or or jettison the importance of having that right. Um, I always yeah. thought that was a problematic slogan. <laughs> yeah, look, I, 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 might I, think we, I think we've all worked for companies that have you, you go, you know, you walk up to the movie yeah. like, ah, oh, really? But some some of them like the, preventing the unpreventable. Like some of these, you're like, okay, so, somebody like there's a VC somewhere that went, that's a good idea. That's a, I, I yeah. can get behind that. And and to them, I want, I, you know, I, I really want to say like, I have good ideas. You're welcome to throw checks at me. There, you're never going to see again. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and yeah, you know, and, and, you know, I think some, 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 some catchphrases, right. Um, classic ones even, right. You know, uh, the old ISS, um, ahead of the threat in its time and in its day, it was a remarkably astute and accurate, you know, catchphrase. If you were to say ahead of the threat today, you had better be talking about something that is the amalgamation of threat intelligence and intersectionally speaking, right. And applied data science and a whole host of other mojo <laughs> because there, there was difficult. To stay ahead Dude, of that, that, that movie, days. that movie was uh, was just on TV with the precogs and the. Uh, uh, what oh yeah. What's the, what can't I think the of the Minority Report? The Minority, Minority Report. Report. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Where where it too turned out to be bullshit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you go, you know, it's so it's. I think you know, it's always. It, I, I tend to favor you know kind of the you know, elegance achieved through simplicity when it comes to messaging and. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Does it do these things? Yeah, it does these things really, really well. And here's what it affords you that you know other other you know, competitive offerings may not. Right? If someone says, "Well, what about your stuff versus you know vendor vendor B stuff?" Have the answers to defend that. I mean that you don't have to get into fanciful you know I, what I would call it like um, 
defensive strategy up front, like with like that language kind of depicts, right? I mean, you're already starting out in a position of weakness. I think if you have to use confusing catchphrases to 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 somehow drive home the value proposition of your business or your technology, that's right. You know that that puts me in, that puts me into into the final topic I want to talk about is value <laughs> proposition. That is, okay. that's, well, we didn't practice this, but well done, sir. Um, All right. That was a nice segue. So nope. <laughs> I, I, I played a game in my head where I would walk up to the booth and whether somebody talked to me or not, I gave it a minute and I wanted to un- see if I could, I could define like the value prop of the, of like whatever it is they were selling, right? What are you selling? Yeah. What is the value? Uh, and I think I did about 20 of them and I struggled at every single one of them the worst one and i'm definitely not naming this because and i get it the argument is well the people at the booth are you know the equivalent of paid actors like they're not really there they're not experts uh they may they just maybe booth staff they don't necessarily know all these things like okay but is that saying that you're not expecting a technical audience like is that say (laughs) is that kind of echo what you what you think about the people that are coming anyway there was one where I asked five people over a span of like over like three different trips to the booth. Every I said, "So hey, what's the value prop here?" Guess how many answers? Guess how many different answers I got? Five. I imagine you got five different answers. Actually, <laughs> one guy gave me two, so I got six. <laughs> oh wow! It must have been a rough day for it must have been a rough day for him. He was really confused by the messaging. <laughs> he said, "Well, he gave me one." He goes, "Well, you know, there's also this other one." I was like, oh, that one also doesn't match anything else anybody's told me. Like I was hoping that we were at least like, okay, central theme of saving you money or uh, saving analysts clicks or time or shortening a response window or shortening mean time to respond, something. Uh, None of them were quite that tight. And that brings – that kind of brings me into this like, okay, so you couldn't tell me the value prop. But you have a flashy yeah. booth. So do you suck at comms? Uh, is messaging the pro- – like I honestly think if I boiled the entire thing down to the, the problem that this conference illustrates and this industry just exudes is that is we are unable to communicate effectively the value of what we sell and what we do, period. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think, and I think it's compounded by the fact that over the course of the last probably you know five to ten years, there's been a massive influx of, of people in, into the space who didn't really have uh, background um, or pedigree, if you will, um, in technology going back 10, 15, 20 years. Right? Um, we we're kind of fortunate, I guess, being kind of young old guys, right, coming from that era of the nineties where you kind of get exposed to everything. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Had to learn everything. And then, and then you kind of picked your path from a disciplinary perspective over the course of time, you know, um, in, in some regards, I think it was harder coming from that, that time period than it is today because now there are cleverly crafted and tailored, you know, certification programs and university programs that, you know, that didn't exist in, in those days um, with w- complete with full, full, fully accredited, you know, tracks that lead you all the way up to a doctorate level. And I'm not, you know, trying to slam on any of that. I think education is a great thing, but what I think I think the challenge is, and I think where it becomes manifest, is that there's 
there's something to be said for that on the job training and experience. And there's something to be have for, for living the life that you can't get out of a classroom. You can't get out of a certification program that you really can't get um, even in the, in the, in the construct of a conference like this, when it comes to messaging, if they haven't, if those parties haven't lived the life, they didn't grow up in the space. Um, maybe even if they didn't do the work at some point in time before they decided to jump into marketing, for example, outbound marketing. Um, I think there's a tendency <clears throat> to oversimplify. And in some respects, um, this is due, I think, to hubris and maybe even a lack of experience. But, but I wouldn't say it's it's global, right? What I mean, and what I mean to say there is, it's I don't think it's everywhere, but I think it's it's common, maybe more common than we're we're comfortable with. And that oversimplification leaves people in a position where they feel comfortable making these kinds of statements that almost that confuse people certainly, and they almost insult them unintentionally, right? So for folks like ourselves, we might look at that and say, if I can't tell you what that means, how can someone who's got less experience, you know, or who's deluged by 50 or 60 of these people saying similar things, tell you what that means. Right. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a more common, you know, condition in our, in our industry than it, than it ever was before. Right. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not begrudging people who come into the industry from different, different avenues or through different vectors or suggesting that we should be exclusionary in any way. I'm not suggesting any of those things. I, but what I am suggesting is that there's a difference between, you know, experienced personnel who have grown up in the space, maybe wearing multiple hats who go off and do different things. Some including marketing roles, right. And responsibilities versus those who have come from a completely different, you know, professional experience and then jump into this arena thinking that they're all kind of the same and that, you know, pithy nondescript language is going to win the day. When in fact, at some point, some seller and SE or a combination of the two are going to have to go out in, in competitive situations and put the company's money where its mouth is. And you, and you better hope that it delivers, the technology delivers if you want to see that, you know, that transaction happen. And uh, that's a tough position to be in. You know, all of those are tough because um, it impacts everything, right? If the messaging is off, it impacts product management, <clears throat> it certainly yeah. impacts uh, sales motions. It impacts customer success and support. It impacts professional services, right? The unsung heroes. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. that messaging should really be crisp and clean and I think concise. Uh, but at the same time, answer all those questions like, who are you? What do you do? Why are you unique? And what do you produce? If you can't answer those four things, you know, your messaging is probably off. I love it. That's a great place to end this, Will. That's, uh, folks, I hope you're taking notes. That's uh, that that's one you should have. Um, and that's not just for marketing. That That's... For no, everybody no. in this field, for practitioner, uh, what is it that you do? Why is it relevant? Why, why am I talking to you versus somebody else? Yeah, and this isn't and, to know, be right, and this isn't to be like combative or anything. But you know, if I'm a buyer, good God, give me something to differentiate you by. Like I yeah. need something. Yeah, anyway. I mean, uh, it's a very simple idea, right? And uh, and I have to give credit to I have to give credit to Tim Eads. Uh, for kind of articulating that really, really well to myself and a buddy of mine, Kevin Hall, many years ago, you know, that who are you, what do you do, why are you unique, and what do you produce? You should be able to answer that very, very simply and very easily. And, and, and if you're using slides or any kind of messaging, you should be able to answer it on one page. And if you can't do that, your messaging is probably needs work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And on that note, that's a good place. That's a good place to cut it off. Mate, thanks for... Uh, one, thanks for catching up. This has been fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, of course, I'll try to go again next year, and we'll do this all over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like I should like next year we should do bingo cards again because we did bingo cards for a while, and it's yeah. just usually by like fifteen minutes, and you're like, I'm done. <laughs> 
<laughs> so yeah, maybe we should do an uh, event yeah, next year. We could, maybe we could get like a sponsored event where we do like a like an event around that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do something, some kind of prize. But you know, uh, yeah. you don't you don't want to have the winner ten minutes in a day one. But that's right. Yeah, it's got to be got to be more thoughtful. I have to think about really really kind of cheeky, hard to, hard to, to deduce ones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Um, if you were out there, uh, I'm curious, what did you, uh, what did you see? What did you observe? What did you hear? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Um, do you mm. think I'm just completely nuts, uh, on, on, on some of the things, uh, you know, were, were you impressed? Uh, were you, were you impressed by differentiation or the booths or, anything interesting there. Um, and on that note, well, again, thanks for joining me, bud. We'll see you. Uh, oh, we'll see pleasure. you next time. Yeah. Thanks for and having folks. Me. Thank you for joining us. We will catch you another time, another place on another down the security rabbit hole podcast. We're going to cue that music and we are out of here. Bye-bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.